Are you happy with the images on your website or your LinkedIn profile or your social media channels? I am not always happy with them. And sometimes I think that's a much younger me or the picture doesn't come across as me. And it's so important to have something that speaks volumes about you. People look at faces much more readily than they would look at something in text form. And when people make a decision to do something, it's often based upon the trust that they feel about you, towards you. It's your reputation. And even if the price is right for your coaching or your training program, we still want to see the picture of the person delivering that training or the person who leads that company. So today, my guest is Ivan Weiss, who is a well-known professional photographer based in London. And we're going to cover the subject of headshots, specifically what exactly a headshot is. And that's always something that's um, a great discussion to have because some people think that uh, group shots or pictures of human beings are a headshot. Secondly, why you've got to humanize your brand with, with a quality headshot. And it's something that will help to differentiate yourself from other people in your area. And also how to decide which kinds of photographers to work with. Because ultimately what you want is something that people look at and say, that's Louise, that's Hamid, that's Mohammed, that's, that's Joan. They look like what they are uh, saying in their brand is, is in tandem or symbiotic, to use a big word, with the person I'm seeing and it's funny how the human brain makes conclusions or makes decisions about you and about me and whether we're trustworthy and credible and professional ever before we open our mouths or ever before anyone reads something about us. So today we're going to cover all of those things. And I think it's something that we should all take seriously. I know I have because I've looked freshly at the kinds of pictures of my associates the team I use on training programs, and me. And it's always important to have that human quality that speaks about your brand and what it's like to work with you. This is the Training Business Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett-Hayes. Hey, welcome to the Training Business Podcast. This is the weekly show for self-employed trainers, coaches, consultants, facilitators, people like you and me all around the world. And we have people all around the world every week listening to the show. The focus of the show is on the business practical stuff of helping you to make money, programs, workshops, courses, books, keynotes, all those kinds of things that you will use to make income, generate leads, and create happy customers. Now, maybe you've got your own business already. Either way, I think there's huge value in listening to guests that I have on the show every week. I'm lucky to speak to them, people from the training, coaching, learning, and development space all around the world. And we've got great episodes lined up for you every single week without fail. Who am I? Well, I'm Mark. I'm the lucky guy who gets to host this show. I'm a self-employed trainer, coach, and published author. I have a business and I also work with a team and I work as part of other people's teams. So I've, in a way, done many things and I've made lots of mistakes. I've worked in 
learning and development as a learning and development manager with a team of instructional designers and trainers. I've also worked freelance. I've been unemployed, employed, and self-employed. And I think at this stage, I'm pretty clear on what I need to do to make my business a success. Nonetheless, I still learn loads from having people on the show and even people from outside the show, listeners writing to me about the show and saying, I like this, I'd like more of this, or could we have an episode on that? And that's exactly why I do what I do every Thursday. Please click on follow right now or the subscribe button to be notified of great episodes as they come out. It costs absolutely nothing and takes only a couple of seconds of your time. Ivan, hi, welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me. You're in London today, is that right? In the UK? Yes, I'm based here in uh, King's Cross in central London. Gotcha. Okay. So the reason you're here today is to share with the rest of us the importance of a headshot. You know, when people engage with us, they find us on LinkedIn or a website, invariably, they're curious. What do you look like? Not just what you write or what you sound like, but what do you look like? So we'll cover three things today. Um, what a headshot is, let's define that, and the kinds of shots that we would need as facilitators, as people running our own business. Secondly, um, humanizing your brand, as you said, which I quite like, the importance of building trust and how to differentiate yourself, perhaps by your choice of imagery. Um, and I'm thinking of websites again, anything or any place brochures where people might find your mug and make a decision based upon whether they like you or not. Do you look, trust, do you look trustworthy? And thirdly, um, how do people listening find professional photographers who aren't you know, in the stratosphere in terms of pricing, but they know what you need? Not, not some kind of wedding shot or family shot. This is specific to a headshot, which proclaims something about your branding and what it's like to work with you based upon expressions or backdrop, et cetera, et cetera. So lots to get through. Let's start with um, the importance of a professional headshot. What is a headshot, first of all? Um, well, that that is a, a controversial question in the world of photography. Um, the, a, a good definition starts from the point of view of the technical. It's, it's a close-up picture of the front of somebody's head. Is that's what's generally considered to be a headshot. Um, however, I like to take a more, um, I guess, utilitarian approach. Like if you, if you use it as a headshot, then it is a headshot. As in, a lot of photographers will tell you as soon as you can see the arms or the hands, it's no longer a headshot, it's a portrait. And I think, well, if your headshot is to promote your business in which you, I don't know, you make pottery, maybe having your hands in there makes perfect sense. So why would you rule out something that makes sense based on a technical mm. description that belongs to the world of photographers talking to photographers when what you want to do is uh, you're a ceramist talking to people that like to buy ceramics, you know, All right. the, the, the discussions don't need to intersect. So to draw a parallel here, there could be shots where there are, let's say a professional photographer whom I've worked with uh, several, several times, I would bring them in. I've hired some uh, students or people to act as a, a class for the day or a group of people I'm working with, training, coaching. And they, the audience or my prospective customers can see me 
next to them, maybe from the waist up, and I'm gesticulating or looking at them and everyone's smiling. But that's not a headshot, is it? Okay. So what you run into there is use case difficulties. Um, if you are thinking about using your headshot on social media, let's say LinkedIn, mm-hmm. most of the time it's very small. So the more information is included in the picture, the more it's difficult to to see what's going on. If you've got more than one person in the picture, you can't get a good read on any one of the faces because mm-hmm. it's such a small image on a screen, particularly if somebody's looking at it on a mobile device, for example. Mm-hmm. So the idea that it should be a close-up of just the front of the head makes sense from that point of view, but I wouldn't want people to exclude other things that are important to the message that they're putting across just to fit in with the technical description of what a headshot is. So yes, if you've got lots of, um, you know, it's, it's a shot of you speaking to an audience that conveys the idea that you, you are a public speaker, that's great, but that's only going to work if I can see it kind of quarter of a web page or, or, or bigger. Mm-hmm. Once it's smaller than that, I can't see that it's you. I don't get a sense of who you are. I don't feel that I've met you. Mm-hmm. I feel that I've observed you from a, a long distance. So you're not creating that personable connection that a headshot is intended to to create with whoever whoever views it. So when would a pure headshot be appropriate and a group shot or a, a, a picture with other things in the image not, not work? Um, so I like to think of things in terms of order of 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 viewing so the first time somebody comes across you you want to be able to to meet them as 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 intensely as possible um so if if the main way that people come across you is through your social media profile then your main picture your profile picture on that social media channel should be something that gives people an idea that they've just met you in the same way that you get if you've just met somebody at a networking event like oh yes i remember his name i remember what he looks like i remember what he does that mission accomplished right um the next thing that they that you want to communicate is uh authority um you know i've done this for some time i didn't Mm -hmm. just invent my job title last week and set up a website so here's some shots of me actually doing the thing that i said that i do and therefore you're 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 establishing credibility trustworthiness and, and all of those kind of things um you probably know or you have a good idea of where your first point of contact with prospective clients is and so that's where you need to prioritize your most kind of impactful headshot as the first thing that they see. The secondary pictures, you could go completely abstract if you wanted to, depending on your depending on your line of business and the, and the image that you're putting across. Yeah. What comes to mind for me, Ivan, is when, let's say, I have on LinkedIn a, a roundel, people call them sometimes. It's like a round image of me. Some people have a backdrop color where they exclude anything in the background. And it's allegedly supposed to make that image pop when you've got some kind of backdrop. People use Canva, for example, to put a a color background in line with their branding, for example. Um, Some people have a side profile, um, but a lot of people, most people, I think, have a kind of a face straight to camera profile. Any thoughts on you know, when you see people with their arms crossed and they're smiling sideways on, is that a good practice or not? I, I, 
think so I think this this really comes down to individuality um I imagine most of the people that are an audience for for what we're recording today are one person or two person businesses so there's a great deal of the individual's personality in the brand yeah, good point um if you are successful because you have a somewhat haughty standoffish I'm the authority <laughs> on your knees kind of uh approach if that's your brand if that's who you are it wouldn't make sense for you to have the very you know welcoming smile in your headshot because the two things don't match up um you know i i i can't stress enough that your your headshot by itself isn't going to do anything for you your headshot is going to be one piece of all of your marketing strategy so if in your copy on your website you say you know i'm i'm the i'm the i'm the tough go-getting lawyer who's gonna you know break the case for you i i've just displayed that i have no knowledge of the legal world there but if you see what i mean you or you're i'm a hard ass negotiation trainer and and when people <laughs> look at you you look you look uh soft or smiley it doesn't really convey the same image exactly yeah so you've got a mismatch there so what you want to do is have all of your different things your copy your picture um the the design and layout of your website all of those things need to support the same message the advantage that we have as one person businesses is that we don't have to contrive any of that because it's all actually just us we've already got all of that it's just about being honest with who we are so you know my my work as a photographer there are themes that i return to over and over again that are you know uh introspection um sometimes a, a bit of isolation there's 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 intellectual processes going on it's about thought if you look at most of my pictures that's in there uh, so the headshot of me that i have on my social media profile is me in that same mood it would be odd if i had the big grinning cheesy picture there the big grinning cheesy pictures i sent to my mum you know that that's fine yeah. and that's right. a smile it's not the brand that i'm i'm pushing so mm. um pe people that are you know in a in a caring profession for example the message is much more likely to be one of being approachable and being yeah. open and judgmental therefore the picture should convey that message as well right so if you're a soft skills trainer and the reason people bring you in is to build empathy connection then you want to be approachable and and also look that way and it's amazing how the brain the human brain makes decisions quickly about people just based upon their facial expression or i don't know their age in life or something it, it, and it's none of it none of it's verbal but it's somehow part of of how we quickly stay safe we we assess someone we look at their expression we look at their face their eyes their mouth and in a flash we've decided subconsciously if we trust them and if we want to work with them isn't that funny how how the brain works that way uh, i mean it's it's not really a surprise we've got tens of thousands of years of evolution um mm. that has developed a brain that works in that way uh if if that were not a beneficial strategy either we mm. would have developed something different or we wouldn't be here you know um being able to read a person through non-verbal communication predates verbal communication we've been practicing right. it for a longer we've been practicing it for a lot longer than verbal communication and a hell of a lot longer than written communication writing in the history of humanity is 
quite a recent thing. Um, and and mm. being able to have an audience that can read is even even you know even more recent. So it's it's the oldest thing that we've got. The face is a communication tool. The in terms of what it does for us physically, you know, we could breathe through a hole in our back like a dolphin. We could absorb nutrients through our fingertips. There's no reason for the face to be there other than as a communication tool, and mm. that's how evolution has um, led us to to this point. In theory, you could transmit the entire works of Shakespeare through eyebrow movements. <laughs> I'd like to see that, yeah. So that brings us to our point here about humanizing your brand. Um, and I know that when I'm writing proposals, I always find some page in the presentation where I can stick in a picture of myself, the best image I can find, and that of the people I'm working with, the team, uh, my VA, business partner, associates, etc. People want to see not just the figures, the investment, uh, how the program works, what's involved, but who is behind that. Um, so what are your thoughts around humanizing your brand? I mean, it's it's fundamental. Um, it, in in the, the very modern world, we are all aware of, um, you know, um, chatbots, AI, um, things that are fictional, as in they're, they're written mm. by a, a committee of people and they invent a persona to, to represent the brand, whether that's somebody that they humanize by paying an actor to, to do it on screen, or it's an entire fiction of, uh, you know, a, a name that signs an email that's not actually a, a real person. Um, those things happen. We're aware of that. It's a, it's a lurking suspicion, I suppose, when we think, well, who's behind this? Who am I actually dealing with? And we may not arrive at that thought consciously, but it's always there because of that same thing, that same thing of evolution. Like, can, can I trust this thing that I'm about to put money into or give my mm-hmm. date of birth and mother's maiden name to or whatever it is that we're about to do when we're required to perform uh, a task that requires us to to trust in something the the deepest part of our brain <clears throat> says who am i trusting what do they look like if we can see a face that we for whatever reason believe in trust that reassures that part of our brain that that what we're doing makes sense. It won't override, you know, it, it it won't make me give my bank details to the Nigerian prince who's gonna, you know, invest millions of, of, of dollars in my account. It won't override common sense, but it's again, it supports the credibility of, of the rest of the messaging. So if I've come to you to ask for a quote for services, I probably think that you are um <clears throat> at least credible to begin with. And you can support that and reinforce that by showing me your face at some point. Yeah, and, and that of the team as well. If you have a, a, other associates or people you're working with, their faces should be quality headshots as well. So it could be an investment. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I think um, the idea of the team as well, again, in in you know the way that businesses are run nowadays, very often they will use we and us it's actually one person and then everything else is outsourced. And that might make a lot of sense business-wise, but sometimes as a consumer, I'm thinking, you know, am I just talking to one person who then sends stuff off to a bunch of freelancers that change on a weekly basis? Or is there actually a team here 
Mm. Um, you know, it doesn't matter where they are. I, I just want to get that sense that, okay, there's a, there's a group of specialized humans that are going to be, you know, dealing with the, each of the individual aspects of, of the service. So having headshots for the team, it's, it's proof that, that, that it's real, that it's a tangible thing and, and that there's, um, you know, that there's a level of commitment behind it. And you also want consistency. I've seen um, some companies do this quite well, where they bring in a photographer for the day and they they bring in their associates or their team marketing sales if they have those people, even if they're not in your team, they're not employees, they're still part of your team. And they have that photographer and then everyone's headshots are taken with the same building behind them or the same backdrop behind them. And you have then this kind of uniformity and consistency and then the the uh, the bono or bonus is that you tell the associates your team that they can then take those images and use them for their own social media purpose and that that works quite well so it it does i think at least if you're working with associates other people who need to be seen by your customers they should still have the same quality of imagery and also ideally the same branding. And when you see large organizations, they've got everyone wearing the same kind of t-shirt or the same kind of backdrop. It, um, it speaks volumes about, you know, the fact that you're a team, it's not some picture of you on holiday in Crete uh, three years ago. And the next one is a professional headshot doesn't work very well. So when I'm putting together a presentation with the team, I ensure that the images are consistent. And it's true when I'm looking for testimonials from people, I want to know that they've got professional headshots. And I struggle with that because I know that when I cannot do that, I've left out someone's quote because the the image is just awful and it doesn't look cheap. So we need to ensure that the images we use, whether it's on LinkedIn, whether it's on the website, whether it's in our proposals, are of a particular standard. So that brings us nicely to standards, looking for professional photographers, not, again, people who take pictures of um, industrial plants. My Uncle is a an industrial photographer, works with Volvo and other organizations like that. That's totally different. We're not looking for wedding photographers. And there's also the temptation to give this to a friend. Why should people en- enlist the services of a professional photographer, someone who has created headshots specifically, ideally for professional purposes? Um, I mean, this this would be the same question if I if you were asking why should somebody enlist a professional coach, right? Um, pretty much anybody that you could think of at some point has given a decent bit of advice, right? I, I've given some good advice in my time. That doesn't make me a professional coach. I can't do it consistently. I can't do it on command. But you know, I've got some examples of where I've said the right thing. In the same way. Everyone amongst us at some point has taken a pretty decent picture. It's not that difficult to take a decent picture, especially if you can have a hundred goes at it and then pick the best one. Um, what you're doing with a professional photographer is enlisting the help of somebody who can do it on command to a specific brief, provide advice and experience that you don't have, um, and, and bring that value to your brand. So, um, a, a, a particular photographer will work in a particular style or range of styles, and you should definitely choose a photographer whose previous work you like. Deciding whether you like it or not is as simple as looking at the work. You don't you don't have to be, have a degree in fine arts to be able to know if you like a picture or not. Look at their previous work. Look at their portfolio. If you feel, yeah, 
this photographer seems to be showing work that I can see myself in that seems to fit with with my brands, that is probably a good fit for you. If you're going by this photographer has been recommended and they seem to have got some famous people in their portfolio in sort of high fashion editorial and what I do is, you know, um, I'm a computer programmer, maybe that's going to be a mismatch. You know, um, their work doesn't speak to you, doesn't speak to your audience. You're just going with something that sounds right because they've got a name and a reputation as a photographer. So mm-hmm. um, don't don't be afraid to um, search around. Do have a look at portfolio and just be honest with yourself about what work chimes with you. You can always reach out. I mean, if the photographer's not amenable to having a chat before you book, then that's probably a bad sign. Um, but you're going to reach out and and ask a bunch of questions that you know 50 percent of clients will ask um, the same questions before booking, and we're experienced in in answering them. Mm. Um, it's it's really that that simple. Okay. Something else to keep in mind then for people listening is is professional environment. I've gone to some commercial buildings and asked for permission to have pictures taken on site, and it's made a huge difference. So having your bedroom wall as the backdrop isn't always a good idea. Other times I have gone to a local library um, before they open. I've had a chat with someone. Can we use one of the rooms there for pictures? And, And the answer is yes. So that's another piece of investment. So it can be expensive, but if you think of the importance of the image, what people see, how they feel about you before they work with you and hire you, it, it seems to me to be incredibly important. The last thing I'll ask you about today, Ivan, is is ownership, because I've had photographers say to me, the copyright rests with me. You can use it, but you don't really have full ownership of it in a way. It's it's the copyright is with the photographer. Others have said to me, no, no, it's okay. You you can have it. Here's the uh, here's the document. Um, I'm signing these over to you. What is what is reasonable these days? So the the default position is that the creator of any piece of intellectual property is the owner of the copyright. That's that's what copyright means. So as a photographer, every time I click the shutter button, the resulting picture is my intellectual property, my copyright. The reason why a photographer who is, I would say, sensible um, does not assign copyrights to their client is simply put, if I take your headshot now, between you and I, we have an agreement written, spoken, implied even, that you're going to use this picture to promote yourself, maybe your podcast maybe uh, a series even of other businesses that you have of which you are the representative, you are not going to sell that image to Colgate for a toothpaste commercial. If you want to sell it to Colgate for a toothpaste commercial, that's going to be something that involves a lot more zeros. I need to get a cut of that because somebody else is monetizing my intellectual property and it's fine, so we would need a separate license. If I assign you the copyright even though you have absolutely no intention of selling that image on, you may at some point be bought by a larger company. You may go bankrupt and your assets transferred to uh, an organization that comes in to take the assets out of the company as part of the bankruptcy procedure. They then own the copyright and can do what they like with it. 
Not you. Um, not me. Or, so, I mean, not, not people listening. If, if they have a company and let's say a, a limited company or some kind of LLC, the, the assets owned by the business include the images of the people in the business. So it sounds like your images no longer belong to you, if that's the case. If I've assigned, if I have assigned copyright to my client, yes. then they no longer belong to me. Yes. So, um, a, 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 an example of, of how this has happened in the real world is, um, photographers who shoot for news agencies. They, they assign the copyright to the news agency. That's the way it works. They're photographers for hire, job work for hire, it's called. Um, and the news agency usually doesn't monetize the picture beyond, you know, this is in the news right now. And beyond the life of that, it becomes a library image that occasionally gets aired. When those news agencies went out of business, when things moved as, as industry changed, a lot of their assets were bought by other companies and those images became stock libraries. And those stock libraries are now hired out hundreds of times a day for people to use all over the web for any purpose they want. So you could find an image that you took 20 years ago of your friend for your portfolio, all of a sudden being used in an advert for i know jeans in spain and you're not getting a penny from it and as the creator of the intellectual property that's obviously not a, a good position to be in so mm. uh, a sensible photographer will retain the copyright um for their images but provide their client with a license that covers the client for all of the uses that they want to make from it if and a photographer yeah. does assign copyright I would suggest it's a sign that the photographer is not invested in the quality of the image and they're saying, yeah, you can have it. G give me some cash, you can have it. Um, that would be an alarm. But we could also have an agreement with the photographer that they will not sell our image to a toothpaste company. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So it, it, works, it works both ways. So um, if, if you require privacy, like by default, I am allowed to show any image that I've taken as an example of my work in order to attract new clients, say like, this is the kind of work that I do is portfolio. I'm also allowed to use it for educational purposes. If I'm training another photographer, I can show them pictures and tell them how I've made them. If you as a client say, we don't want you to show these pictures to anybody else for whatever reason, that's absolutely fine as well. That's not the same as me giving you copyright. That's right. just having a, an agreement between us. It's a license condition. And that's absolutely fine. There's no problem with that whatsoever. Excellent. Ivan, where can people find out more about you? Um, if you drop into any search engine, Ivan Weiss London, you will find um, my website, all of my social media channels, um, and probably quite a few podcasts as well. Um, my website is ivanweiss.london, and my actual social media handle is, again, ivanweiss.london. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being my guest today on the show. Thanks for having me. It's been great. My thanks to Ivan for being my guest today and talking all about headshots and the importance of imagery that conveys professionalism and credibility to your prospective audience, your prospective clients. And thanks to you for listening. If you have a question or a suggestion, you can email me simply on mark at trainingbusiness.com. My team, Sam, Joe, James, Turul, and I always appreciate your loyalty, your listenership, and your support, your comments, whatever else you feel 
can help you, please let me know. You've got my email address. And please tell other people about the show because we're here to help people like us in our community, trainers, coaches, people who are on the beginning of this journey or on the journey. So you can find all episodes of the show on trainingbusiness.com. We need to do a lot more work on the blog. That's going to be something we'll prioritize in Q3 this year. But for now, you'll find all episodes past, present and future on your podcast platform of choice or over on trainingbusiness.com. Fresh episode next Thursday. Until then, look after yourself. Bye for now. once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. See you next time.